Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So I joked around in the, in the first service. I don't know if anyone's ever watched a, uh, a soap opera before, but sometimes in the soap opera, you know there's a character that leaves and they say, well, the character of so-and-so will now be played by. Well, we've been going through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, the two trees that we focus on in the garden, and uh, it's autumn and the leaves have fallen off, and we are now going to be having a new tree of what's going to represent the knowledge of good and evil, and, and importantly, our flesh here today, and then one that's going to represent the tree of life and the Spirit of God here today. And we've gone through this series, and we've looked at the truth and the reality that God has given us a choice. That from the very beginning, he's given us the ability to choose and he's made it clear. Not only has he given us a choice, but he has given us the ability to discern and to to see what is the right choice. And then he has enabled us, he's equipped us, he's empowered us. And last week, as we said, he has actually entrusted us to make the choice that is to choose him above all else. This morning, I want to really hone in and, and, and focus on not just the reality of the choice, but how we make the choice and what we have to be aware of in order to make the choice that we have been empowered to make. And the place that we're going to look at here today is one that we go back to often. It's one that I've looked at very often in my life and my time as a youth pastor and and as a lead pastor here. It's the place of identity. And what I want to just say right off the bat here today is that our ability to make the choice the choice to serve God, the choice to give ourselves to Him, the choice to allow what Jesus did on the cross to take root in our hearts, it stems out of our identity. It stems out of who we see ourselves to be and who we see Him to be. It's out of the identity that we have the ability to choose Him. And really, when we look at our lives and we look at the decisions that we've made and we look at the circumstances, if we were to trace them back, what we would actually see is what we believe to be true. Who are we really and who is he? And are we who he says that we are? The choices we make are a direct reflection of the identity that we embrace. And this morning, I'm just going to jump into some uncomfortable waters right off the bat. Um, I usually wait a little bit, let us get warmed up a little bit, but hey, you know, we had a lot going on in today's service, so we're going to jump right into it. There is a reality that we're seeing in the world around us that I believe is a very good example of what we're talking about here today. And I'm not going to go super in-depth on this issue. You know where we stand, and if you don't, we'd be happy to talk to you about it. But when we look at the world today, this, this clarification of woman and man has become something that's come under fire. It's become distorted. It's, the lines have become blurred. And we know that there are even times where there are individuals who are men trying to go in women's bathrooms and vice versa. And without going too deep into that today, really in the interest of time, I just want to ask this question. What is it that determines whether we are a man or a woman? What is it that determines the choice that we make as far as something as simple as which restroom we're going to go into? Well, we're not going to go too deep into it today. We're not going to talk anatomy here today. But we are going to just say this very simply. The choice was made by God, and it's the identity that he has given to us that determines who we are. 
the identity that we hold was given to us in our very DNA. When God spoke us, when he created us, when, when he knew who we were before we took our first breath, he said, this is who you're going to be. It's based off of what he has said. It's based off our God-given identity. It's not based off of feeling. It's not based off of emotion. It's not based off of dysfunction. It's not based off of a lie. It is an indisputable fact who God made you to be. When I say that, I also want to remind you what we talked about last week. That there are often times in our lives where we feel a certain way, where we have attractions, where we have feelings, where we have emotions. But those things do not define who we actually are. We are not our worst moments. We are not our worst attractions. We are not the places where we feel broken and ashamed. That's not who we are. Okay, so that's not the reality. And so when we talk about these things, I do so in grace because the only way that we are going to receive the freedom is to understand who he has made us to be. The only way we make the right choice is by understanding who he has made us to be. So we know that there is a right choice. And if I were to change the sign on this door representing the tree of life here today, if I were to change that wording to just say church, we know that there are many people in the world right now that would never step foot into a door that says church because they think that there's something that they're not. They, 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 they relate more to the brokenness and the places of failure than they do to who Jesus is for them. And so they never step foot into the door. And maybe this was us. Maybe this was us at one point. We weren't going to step foot into church because we knew what was wrong with us. We were all too aware of it. And maybe we were afraid of what we would experience on the other side of this. But if we know who we are and we say yes to Jesus, then we know that we've been given access to him, into his family, into his kingdom. And so then we step foot into it. But the problem that I see is that often we do say yes to Jesus. We recognize what he did on the cross, but we still feel like there are doors that are locked for us that we can't actually get in because we feel like based off of who we know ourselves to be that couldn't possibly be for me and so i keep going back to the same places over and over and over again because this is what i'm used to this is what i'm familiar with i know how this door opens i've been in here before and this is where i'm supposed to go i feel i feel comfortable here this door is open to me always because we don't fully understand who we are. We don't recognize our identity in Christ. We go to this door sometimes and we feel like there's a big sign on it that says closed, no trespassing, you're not getting in here. We look at it and we think that if I were to do better and if I were to do more right and if I were to finally feel like I'm redeemed and feel like I'm transformed, then I would have access into the healing that we're talking about. Then I would have access into the provision that I've been seeking. Then I would have access into the unconditional love of a Savior that died for me. But when we don't recognize this is true, we will continually go back to the things that make us feel good, feel accepted, feel loved, because this just makes sense. It just makes more sense to me to keep going back to those same things. And so we live limited lives based off of who we believe that we are. We make choices in our everyday lives based off of who we believe we are. And often we're making the choices out of who we think we are when it's not actually true. You see, 
this door being self, this is the place that we go to continually, but we know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. He said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and what's going to happen? The door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. And yet sometimes we feel like God says these words, and then he keeps it locked until we have fully gotten to the place where we're holy enough to gain entry. But I I missed the part where he said, when you are perfect, then the door will be opened unto you. He said, whoever, whoever, whoever knocks, the door will be open unto you. Jesus is not about playing cruel tricks on us. He's not giving us partial access and then locking other doors until we get it together. But often this is what we think about ourselves and him. These are the words that we speak. How do we know what's really going on inside of us? Well, what did Jesus say in Luke 6.45? That out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are we saying? What are we saying over our lives? I've grown up in church my whole life, and I've heard statements that really make sense. They're really founded in some good principles, but they're just not true anymore. I am a sinner saved by grace. Okay, we get it. We have a sinful nature. We had a sinful nature. I've fallen short. The Bible clearly says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know it's the grace of God. The grace of God that brings us into salvation. However, to say that I am a sinner is to negate what Paul said about Jesus in 2 Corinthians where he said, I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That I once had an identity that was based out of what is old, but I now have an identity based out of who he is. We say things like, wretched man that I am. We quote Paul, wretched man that I am. Who is going to save me from this body of sin? We, we say things like, and this is not necessarily a Christian statement, but we say, well, I'm only human. Like, really? You accepted Jesus into your heart. You accepted this new identity and reality of Jesus, but you're only human. You're just, you're just subject to whatever you can do in your own ability. Someone asked us a question. Maybe it's Sunday morning. How are you doing today? Oh, brother. I'm just hanging in there, but by the grace of God, I'm going to make it through. All right, I'm, just, I'm just hanging on. God willing, I'm going to make it to tomorrow. Sometimes we throw away the Christianese and we're just like, hey, I need a drink. It's been a week. It's been a month. I need a drink. I know everyone's pretending. Oh, that wasn't me. I know a few of you said that this week. We can just pretend it's everybody online because we can't see them, but come on. So we make these statements that truly indicate what we really believe. And and I just want to get this straight for a minute just so we're all on the same page. Jesus left perfection in heaven, seated with God. He came to earth 
in the form of a human being. He lived his life. He went for 33 years. He was tempted in every way, but did not sin. He brought up evil to the Jewish religion and, and to the Roman Empire. He was beaten, bruised, crucified, had a crown of thorns put on his head. He was chastised. He was, he was put into a place of, of being crucified on the cross. And he did all of that just so we can make it to tomorrow. He did all of that just so we can barely make it through. That seems cruel to me. It's not just so that we would have our ticket punched to heaven that Jesus died on the cross. He didn't stop there. But when my identity, when my belief system, what I believe to be true is based off of who I am not instead of who he is, I will continually return back to the place of brokenness and shame. I can tell that a few of you are on the fence here today, so we're going to continue. I love the song Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, right? But the song doesn't stop there. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. But none of this is to deny the work of sanctification. None of this is to deny what Jesus is doing inside of us, bringing us each day to look more like Jesus. It's not to question that there is imperfection in our flesh. It's not to claim that we have attained perfection in our flesh. But it is to absolutely say this definitively, that I have been given a new nature. And it is the only nature that I now connect myself to. You see, often we think that there's this, these dual natures going on inside of us. We have a dark side and a light side. We have a broken side and a redeemed side. We do have a body. We do have flesh. We do live in this world. We do experience this. God gave us a physical body for a reason. Right, All this was on purpose. But this flesh is not where we draw our identity from. We were created out of the dust, and to the dust we will return. This physical body is not the thing that determines and defines who I am. I have been given a new nature. It is my new identity. It is my new reality. That is who I am. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Look carefully with me. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't regard anyone according to the flesh. We once regarded Christ that way, but we regard him thus no longer. The flesh is where the identity was. The flesh is who we were known to be. This is how we judged each other. But now, in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away The new has come. Pay attention. The old has passed away and the new has come. Does it tell us that the old has passed away like 60%? Like on a good day, maybe it passed away 80, 90%. Like each day it's going to be a little bit different. But this is how we live sometimes. The old nature has passed away. 
All things have become new. It says, and the new has come. The new has come. It's already arrived. We don't need to be sitting waiting for it. There is going to be a reality where we're going to leave this earth and we're going to step into heavenly perfection and we're going to see God clearly. And there is going to be that place where true perfection comes. But we don't have to wait for the new nature because it says the new nature is already here. I didn't pay the price for it. You didn't pay the price for it. None of us could pay the price for it, but Jesus paid the price for it. Verses 18 and 19. All this is from God, as if there was any question. All this has come from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He reconciled us to himself. God of the universe, broken humanity. God takes humanity and brings it close and reunites humanity with perfection. Our identity is no longer in that which was broken. It may have the loudest voice. It may be the one who talks the loudest and reminds us and the accuser who speaks that reality over and over and over again. But that's no longer who we are. This word reconcile means to change and to exchange. Which means that we have exchanged that which was old for that which is new. And now I have changed into in my inner man, in my nature of who I am, who I really am, is now reconciled unto God through Christ Jesus. He said that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us now the message of reconciliation. Who's meant to carry the message of reconciliation? Okay. How good a job are we doing at being reconciled? How aware are we to that new reality? Very quiet in here. I'd be quiet if I was sitting where you're sitting too. How do we reconcile others if we don't understand what reconciliation has been given to us? If we're constantly going in and out of the door that we know oh so well because it's familiar. We have been given the message of reconciliation. We have exchanged the old for the new. We have exchanged what was and changed into who he says that we are. And although there is a carnality that is present due to my current reality of living in this body on earth, who I am now directly connected to is Jesus. Through the cross of Christ, through his death, and his resurrection. I have two analogies here today just to help drive this point home, just for the skeptics who are still in the room. There's a safe analogy and a not-so-safe analogy. Which one do you guys want? Okay, good. I was giving you that one anyway. I did write the other one in just in case, but the unsafe. It's not that bad. All right, so there's a saying that we all know very well. You are what you eat. Who's heard that saying before? Okay. Is it actually true? Well, no. Does it have an effect on you what you eat? Absolutely. Does it actually make you feel a certain way? Absolutely. What we eat does have an effect on our body, on our health, on the way that we feel. What we consume, it does absolutely have an effect on us. But we are not actually what we eat. 
right? I mean, truly, we don't turn into a bowl of pasta. I eat a lot of pasta, right? We are not what we eat. And eventually, what we eat, even if it has an effect on us, we know what happens afterwards, right? After it gets digested and it gets sent on its way? Okay. So can sin be present in our life when we have been made righteous in Christ Jesus? Yes. In the same way we consume something and it can be present in us and have an effect on us, sin very much has an effect on us. There is no question about it. When sin is present, when disconnection is present, we feel the effects. It is a reality of what we are experiencing in that moment. But does it define who we are? No. When we have been made righteous through Christ Jesus, that which has come into us is meant to leave, to be flushed, to get rid of. And the more familiar and the more aware I am of the reality of who I am in Christ Jesus, the less comfortable I become consuming anything that is not in alignment with the nature that he's given me. It is no longer who I am. I don't have multiple natures fighting inside of me anymore. I am righteous through Christ Jesus. But if I don't know this, I will assume the position of somebody who is still broken, who is still only relying on my flesh, who is relying on my emotions and feelings to tell me what's going on. And I will keep going back into this place because I don't truly understand who he is and who I am in him. Can I tell you that it is always going to be easier for you to come back to this reality than that reality? There is the accuser of the brethren. Uh, There's a lot that I want to get into here today. I don't have time for it. We'll get into it next week. It's always going to be easier to go into that door. Hmm. The rabbit trail, I, I don't think I can go down it today. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. This word in the Greek that says through is the word in. So in other words, when I am in Christ, it gives me access to who he is and I can step through into the new reality. When I realize that I am in Christ Jesus, I realize this, is, this door is no longer locked. It's no longer, there is no, no trespassing sign. This is who I now am and this is what I get to walk into And not only do I get to walk into it, but if the ministry of reconciliation is now mine, I get to grab people and bring them in with me. Isn't that exciting? The prophetic word, one of the words we got on Wednesday night was about the gathering, going out and picking up the harvest. That's what we're meant to do, church. That's who we're meant to be. So can I be righteous and still come back to the place in my humanity where I make poor decisions? I can, but it does not define me. And in fact, when I recognize that it's true through the word of God, when I am transformed by the renewal of my mind, my responsibility is to no longer make a place for it, to no longer make space for it, to get rid of it, and yes, to flush it. The greater recognition of who I am, the less comfortable I am making a place for anything, anything, That is not what God has created me for. Because it's not who I am any longer. We often look at Romans chapter 7. I'm doing this message at one and a half speed here today. 
We look at Romans chapter 7 and we look at these verses where Paul says, and, and we know them well, we could probably quote them to a certain extent, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And he goes on to say in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who is going to save me? It's right before Romans chapter 8. But see, if we read these verses and we highlight them, these verses become bold. We, we enlarge the text. It becomes more apparent to us than the rest of it. If we read these verses and we don't take into account Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8, the preceding chapters, the following chapters, then we will read this and have the wrong understanding of what Paul is actually saying. The context matters. So when we look at Romans chapter 6, the preceding chapter, and we read verses like verses 3 and 4, where Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Verses 6 and 7. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Verses 11 to 14. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Does this sound to you like a man who is trapped in the misery of the old identity based off of who he used to be? Doesn't sound that way to me. You see, this was no longer his current reality. He is expressing something that he was very familiar with in the same way that it's very familiar to us at times. When we keep going back to the flesh to try to solve the problems of the internal and we keep going back to the same places in our own effort to make ourselves feel better and to feel like we have achieved. It's the places where we continually go back to in our own ability. And this is the reality of what we face when we are in this place and we're eating off of this tree. It's that we keep trying to do it on our own and we never find freedom. We never find the ability to step into what God has for me because it's based off of what I can do. You see, verses 18 through 24 are not his current reality any longer. It was the reality of self-effort and self-reliance. It was the reality of a lesser kingdom. So why does this all matter? Well, clearly it matters a great deal. Because if we don't know who we are, we don't know what we have access to. If we identify ourselves based off the old nature, we will not go to the new. We will continually return to the old. We will not step into freedom. We will not be able to see that we have been given healing, wholeness, that God has provided that he has done what he needed to do. If we are trapped in the old identity, we will keep going back to the old identity. 
The question is, which reality am I going to feed my soul on? In the same way we can eat what is bad for us and have an effect on us, guess what? We can continue to eat the truth of God. We can continue to turn to what God has said. We can continue in our lives to turn to the reality that he has spoken about. This morning, I want to ask if my wife Jamie would come up and the worship team as well. There's a conversation that we had while we were on vacation, and there was something that God showed her, and as soon as I heard it, I'm like, you got to share this. We got to hear this on a Sunday morning, and so I've asked her to come up and to share with us what God spoke to her, and so I just want to ask if you would give her your attention here today. If I could learn how to work the mic. Good morning. I joked in the first service that Sam made me uh, bring bullet points up here because I get very detailed, but I didn't do a very good job with staying on track, so I'll try to do better this time. So most of you might know, Sam and I, we just got back um, from a amazing trip to Italy. We went for our 10-year wedding anniversary. Yes, that deserves an applause because it was amazing, and if you have the opportunity, I would go. Um, but before we went to Italy, and I think before we even started the series, um, Sam brought back a book called The God Connection um, from a pastor's conference that he had went to. And I started reading it before we went to Italy, and I brought the book with me to finish there. Um, and basically, the book talks about how we are all hardwired and designed innately to hear from God because we are created in his image. And more importantly, it talks about how um, God doesn't just speak to the chosen ones, like a lot of us might believe, and I believe myself. You know, I'm reading this book, and I'm like, yeah, this is good, this is good. Um, amen, I believe it, but do I really believe it? In the back of my mind, I, I have this false narrative when I read stuff like this, uh, telling me, uh, but, but not you. Yeah, sure, I've heard Jesus speak to me before, not audibly, but, you know, you just know in your spirit when, is, when, when it's him, but not as much as I would like to admit and that I would like to hear from him. And I do believe it's because when you believe those false voices, you don't truly, truly believe what God is saying is true. And so I'm reading this book, um, and I'm reading about God, um, how God can use anything to speak to you. He can give people dreams and, and visions and pictures and even numbers and nature and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, good. And again, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I wish. I wish that God would give me a picture or a dream. So we go to Italy. We get to our um, our destination on the Amalfi Coast. This is like what we have waited for. Um, and we're sitting by the Mediterranean Sea, and we are so excited at this point because it was like two long days of travel, and we finally arrived. Um, this is my dream destination, and we're looking at each other, and we're pinching each other, and we're super excited to be there. Um, and there were two ladies sitting next to us by the ocean, just envision it, Mediterranean Sea, on the Amalfi Coast, and they start talking about the weather over the next uh, two days. We were only where we were staying in Amafi for three full days. So they start talking about the weather and how it's going to rain over the next two days. And I look over at my husband because he heard it too. And I'm like, okay, it's going to rain. It's going to rain when we're on the Amafi coast. We came across the country. 
to Italy and it's going to rain. Now let's backtrack a little bit. I have a thing with weather because when we got married 10 years ago, um, it poured on our wedding day, like poured on our wedding day. Like the tent that we were to get married in was collapsing. That's how much rain, despite the fact that it said 17, 17% chance of rain. And so to say that I have some PTSD about that and around that time, um, it's true. So, and I, and, and to be honest, I, I struggled after my wedding day. I struggled with the Lord because we prayed, we spoke to the clouds. Uh, we said it will not rain. We chose this beautiful venue for the views of the Hudson River and it was just amazing and it's raining on my wedding day. And what I determined through that season was, I believed I deserved it for whatever reason. I believed I deserved that it rained on my wedding day because why, why would God, what, what, what difference does it make? It rains on people's weddings, wedding days all the time. So going back to Italy, I'm listening to this conversation. I can feel myself spiraling out of control like I usually do in instances like these. And this all may sound silly because this is concerning weather, but I promise it will come full circle. Um, and so I'm like, honey, it's going to rain. We're only here for two days. What are we going to do on the Mafi Coast when it's raining? So I get up to go get a drink, and I march my butt over to the uh, reception desk in the lobby. And I said, so when it says that it's going to rain on the Amafi Coast, does it actually rain on the Amafi Coast? I'm like, these are things that I ask myself, and these are games that I play in my head. As if I can control the weather, um, I'm frantically looking at the weather app. I'm obsessing over it. I'm asking people who have been there for longer than we have, uh, did it rain at all while you were here? D- did it say that it was going to rain when it rained? Did it say that it was going to be sunny? I'm serious. These are conversations that I have, and my husband is just rolling his eyes, but he was very good and patient and gracious with me because he knew how much this meant to me, and he knows my history with weather. So later that night, uh, we were getting ready for bed, and again, I'm still, we had dinner, we had a nice time, but it was in the back of my head, oh my God, what are we going to do? Of course it's going to rain, of course. Jamie comes to Italy, to the Amalfi Coast, where it's always beautiful and sunny, and it's going to rain, and what are we going to do? And all the memories that we look back on, it's going to be raining, and this is the conversation I'm having in my head, seriously. So Sam could see this, and he was so really patient, thank you, honey, and gracious with me, and we're sitting on the bed, and he looked at me, and he said, you have a choice to make here. You have a decision to make here. And in that moment, I felt a little pride. I felt like a child when he was asking me that question, but I knew he was right. I have a choice to make here, and if you're doing Relationship 101, Uh, One of the best things that I think Danny says is that pain is inevitable, but misery is a choice. And so I can exchange that word for pain and put frustration or disappointment or let down or whatever it is. So disappointment is inevitable, but misery is a choice. So I can choose in this moment to stay miserable and to throw this pity party for myself, as I often do, because that's what I feel like I deserve. That's what I feel like I deserve. That's the judgment that I have on myself that I don't deserve to go on this vacation and to have it be nice, right? I'm in Italy. I should be grateful, but I don't deserve to go to Italy and for it to be sunny and beautiful. And so in this moment, I'm like, I have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. I can choose to, to 
continue to spiral and to be miserable and to have the rest of the two days on the Amafi Coast be ruined, or I can choose to cast the care. And because I know he cares even about the weather because he knows I care about the weather. And I can choose to be happy and to make the most of it even if it does still rain. And so I laid there in bed. I hadn't fallen asleep yet. And I start having this vulnerable, honest conversation with the Lord. And I, I honestly said to him, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Whether it's the weather, whether it's finances, whatever it is, I don't want to keep going into that place of shame. So you, you didn't turn that before, honey. So I'm turning it for you of shame because it's familiar and because it's easy. This is what Jamie does. It's easy. It feels really good because I feel justified. I feel good in this place. It's easy. I keep going back to it because it, it does something for me, whatever it is. I deserve this, but I don't. So here's the picture that the Lord gave me. I closed my eyes. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. God, I, I don't want to do this. I feel this is so immature. I, I, I just, I don't want to find myself in these places anymore. And when I closed my eyes, he gave me this clear picture. He's never given me a picture before. Not me. The Lord doesn't give Jamie pictures. She's not holy enough. So he gave, he gives me this clear picture of me standing in a garden. So pretend these are the two trees. They weren't doors. They're beautiful trees. And this is uh, the funny part, or I think it's funny anyway. I'm in leggings, my favorite Amazon leggings. In a workout top, my hair is in a, in a messy bun. I am who I am standing in this garden, this beautiful garden between these two trees. And the Lord meets me there in my leggings and he takes my shoulders and he turns me towards the tree of life. This is a picture, this clear picture that the Lord gave me and he pushes me towards the tree. So I feel like that's really symbolic of the Lord meeting you as you are in my leggings. That's how I'm most comfortable. That's where, that's how I want to die in my leggings and he not only helps us and meets us there, but he physically turned my body, which I think is the, the best part of that vision. He turns my body and he helps push me towards what may be uncomfortable, but it's life producing and it's peace. And I, I opened my eyes because I wasn't sleeping and I, I felt this immense peace come over my body. And I said, no matter what the weather is like tomorrow, because this is all about weather. No matter what the weather is like tomorrow, you're going to have the best time here. And I truly believed it. I truly, truly, I knew that when I woke up that morning, because the morning before that, it was cloudy, and I was like, it didn't turn out to be cloudy that day, but this is the next two days that we were there. It was supposed to be rain, it's clouds, rain. And so, I wasn't following this. And so... I knew when I opened my eyes, Sam snoring, that when I woke up the next day, whatever it was going to be, was going to be, and, and, and we were going to be good. You're we going to have a, a, a good time. But as I was praying before the Lord uh, gave me that, um, that picture, I felt like he asked me two questions and I, and I did, I, I began to cry. He said, do you believe that I am, I'm good? Do you believe that even though this sounds because the other conversation that I have to myself is this is stupid. First world problems, Jamie. 
weather. But do you believe that I am good that because this matters so much to you that I can't change the weather? If I can't change the weather, then what can I do? And that's exactly what I felt like he was telling me. Then then do you trust me at all? If the, the God of the universe can't change the weather? And he, and he asked you, trust me. And I, yes, Lord, help me. I, I trust you. I need you to help me. And that's when he gave me that picture of physically turning me away from what was comfortable and what feels good to something that's life producing and peace producing and joy. And, uh, it didn't rain the next two days at all. It was beautiful and it was sunny. And I was able to tell the next crazy couple that worried about the weather that even if it says it's going to rain, it's not going to rain. And so I will read one thing, one thing that I wrote. He is so good to not only meet us where we are and as we are, in our leggings or however else you want to go down in the grave. But but he also comes to be our comforter and to help us in the process of the decision making of of turning away from what is is familiar. And so surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me, shall follow you all the days of your life and I shall dwell forever throughout all my days in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 23, 6.